This is Transforming Truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. Well, praise the Lord. God bless you. This is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. It's Saturday night. You're hooked up to the Word. I believe that God has something supernatural for you. He's a supernatural God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that delivered Moses and the children of Israel out of the hands of Pharaoh is working for you right now. I know we live in a society where people want to diminish the word of God. They want to do away with God. But I can tell you this, that society is looking for what they don't know. And that's the word, and that's Jesus. And anybody that finds Jesus finds peace. They find life. They find power. They find authority. And we're going to be talking about that tonight on the broadcast. I apologize for my voice ahead of time. It's a little bit raspy. We're in the middle of winter. And so (laughs) we people from Michigan, if you're listening from another state, we're from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. And you know our voice is up here. They have to endure the cold weather. And so sometimes your voice gets a little raspy. So I apologize that for ahead of time. But I want to thank you for tuning in. We're going to talk tonight about the love of Jesus. We're going to talk tonight about the love of Christ. And I pray that it becomes in your heart a manifestation uh, and, and reality. There's many people, they know that Jesus loves them. You know, you go to a football game, basketball, and you see a sign that says John 3.16. You look it up, God so loved the world, people. And that stuff works. I'm glad people do that because people will Google today and say, what's John 3.16? And especially today, more and more, maybe 20 years ago, most people heard of it. Nowadays, people don't know what that is. Because we live in a secular society. They don't learn that in school. They learn Darwin's theory of evolution. They learn, you know, science like that. But they don't learn the Bible. So people need to be taught that. And they say, oh, God loved the world. But I pray that this reality dawn into your heart tonight. I pray that tonight as you listen to the broadcast, you come to an understanding of what the love of Christ really is. May the Holy Spirit open up your heart and Take it from just words that are on a piece of paper and may it become strong and powerful because the love of God can keep you. It can preserve you. It removes all the fear that you may have in your life. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. What kind of fear? The fear of care, the fear of worry and concern about bread and what you may eat and what you may drink. Jesus says you have a loving father that knows all that ahead of time. And he desires to give to you that which you ask. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. You know, you have a father in heaven and you have a God. He knows your heart and he loves you. And he came looking for you to seek and save that which was lost. My God, I feel his presence in here tonight. I feel his power. I thank God for his anointing. I thank God for his spirit. He loves you tonight, friend. That girlfriend, that boyfriend of yours couldn't provide you with the love that he provided. You know, I don't have kids. I desire them someday. I got to get married first. And... (laughs) But I imagine that when I have kids, I'd like to have a daughter. I grew up in a family of men. I have a brother, a dad, guy cousins. <laughs> I didn't 
The only relationship I had growing up with a woman was my mom. We had a good relationship. I never had a sister. I always wanted one. I'd like to have a daughter. And I'd like to raise a daughter. I, would. I really hope my first child's a, a girl. And, <clears throat> um, But I think about what it would be like to have a daughter. I think about how there would come a point where she would start talking. I think about there would be a point where I'd have to start teaching her about the Bible and things. But I would pray that if I had a daughter and she fell in love, that she wouldn't fall in love until she experienced the love of God in her life. Of course, my love as a father, but the love of God in her life. That she would come to know how much God cares about her, how much God loves her, so that when she looks for a man, she can find a man that can provide a resemblance of that love for her. If she doesn't know the love of God, then she's not going to know what it's like when somebody is reflecting the love of God. And so, I, that's my prayer now, even before she's born. Uh, glory to God. Hallelujah. So, I want to talk to you tonight. Are you thankful for God? I feel His presence. My, I feel His presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for every person that's tuning into the sound of my voice. I pray, I pray tonight, God, that you would deliver people of strongholds in their minds. People that are worry and care and fear of failure, discouragement. You're even listening tonight. You're going to go out of your mind. You're saying, God, where's my mind? God, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you'd bring deliverance. The peace of God may it rest inside the minds of everybody listening. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you for your presence. I pray that the words that I speak would have life tonight. They can't be my words. They're your words. And may they have life and life everlasting. And you're listening tonight. You need hope. Listen. He loves you. Have an encounter with God tonight in Jesus' name. Have an encounter with His Spirit. Receive the Holy Ghost tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The Spirit of God told me that He wants me to minister on the secrets of life. And you say, well, what do you know about the secrets of life, Reverend Palmer? You're only 29 years old. That's true. I am 29, but Jesus taught the secrets of life when he was 30. Well, you're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But I represent Jesus, and I have the same spirit that was on him. I'm not claiming perfection. But he left us those secrets in the Word, so we can fully understand that, and I can teach them to you tonight. And, you know, many weeks ago, around Christmas time, uh, I was studying the Word. And I got to Matthew 13 where Jesus gives the kingdom parables. And they really, I was going around them because it, 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 you just read the parables. You think, what is he talking about, a fish in a dragnet? But <laughs> as I got to them, I said, I need to teach these. These are mystery parables of the kingdom. And you can't understand God and the kingdom fully until you understand what Jesus is teaching inside these parables. It's important to figure out what he means. And so, I want to teach them to you tonight. I've been teaching them for the last couple of weeks. I've been teaching them for the last maybe month. And I want to finish 
and keep going through them. And I pray they're blessing your life. Tonight I want to teach you about the secrets of life concerning the hidden treasure that's found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. And if you're listening, you say, well, what's this broadcast from? I want to tell you first that this broadcast comes on every Saturday night. You can find us at www.chrispalmerministries.com. And we have a podcast you can hook up to on our website. You can support us financially on our website. You can learn about our materials that we have, our book, and soon to be books, plural. We have another book coming out in the summer. And when I say we, I mean me. I speak in the third person, a plural a lot. First person, plural. Third person, third person, plural, we. A lot. I speak in that a lot. I don't know. And also, uh, I have a, uh, you can just go on there and find a lot of cool things. So, www.chrispalmerministries.com. Now, Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 44, Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hid in a field, the which when a man has found, he hides and for joy thereof goes and sells everything that he has and buys again. I want to read it one more time. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hid in the field, the which, when a man has found it, he hides, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So, what's the kingdom of heaven like? Is it like a treasure hid in the field? Or is it like a treasure hid in the field that which, when a man finds... He hides it? Or is it like a treasure hidden in the field, which when the man finds it and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys the field? Well, in understanding the parables, you work from part to whole. I'll give you an example. It's like a puzzle. And when you're putting a puzzle together, every piece is not the whole puzzle. You need every piece to fit in to make the whole puzzle. I have a thousand piece puzzle at home laid out on my table and it's been laid out since the week before Thanksgiving. I thought I'd have time during the past Christmas season and Thanksgiving to work on it, and I, I didn't, and it's still laying there on my kitchen table. And it's a thousand pieces. I didn't realize how much this work would take. I don't have time to sit around and put a puzzle together, but I'm going to get to it. But each piece is a part of that puzzle. And so it's like a parable. If you want the whole parable, you've got to take every piece and figure out where it fits and what it means, and you can see what Jesus is talking about, just like how I teach about imagery. And if you want to know what Jesus is talking about, you have to collect the image. And so uh, the parable, we need every piece of the puzzle to get this. So we need to look at what this means. Here's the principle. I'll give the principle to you right up front. The principle is this. Within the world, there is a purchased people that have a loving, gracious Lord. And some of you say, that's it? No, no, I want you to think about this for a second. Within the world, there is a people that has been purchased that is not their own. A people that does not belong to themselves. No, 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 I'll say it like this. A people that does not belong to their country of citizenship. And they have a master who has purchased them. And he's not an abusive master. Hallelujah to Jesus. He's a good master. Jesus is a king that everybody wants. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so in considering the walk of a believer, 
the very first thing that we need to understand is who Jesus is as Savior. And once He becomes your Savior, immediately, not even a blip of time, a fraction of a second, the smallest fraction that we can divide time into, He becomes your Lord. This is one of the greatest concepts in Scripture. That thou shalt confess to my mouth the Lord Jesus. I was with somebody one time. They said, I know I have enough of God that I want. I believe in Jesus and I'm going to go to heaven. And I have enough of him that I want to know about right now. And when I told this person, I said, well, you want Jesus as Savior. But do you want him as Lord? And I don't understand why people would do this. People that want Jesus as Savior and not Lord Believe that there's something in it for them. If he's Savior. They believe they're gaining something. If he's Savior. And they're losing something when he becomes Lord. If only they could see that. When he becomes Savior they gain. And they gain all the more. When he becomes Lord. Oh that's powerful. I want to write that down. That just came to me by the Spirit. That ministered to me. And. When you make Jesus your Lord, you're, you're, you are going to gain more. And so the Holy Spirit comes along and His job is to conform you to His Lordship. Because the more you conform to His Lordship, the more you begin to gain. Rebellion against Christ as Lord, whether you know it or not, is rebellion against the kingdom. Because in the kingdom he is Lord. And so if you don't submit to his lordship. You become like the world. Because the world. Doesn't belong to the kingdom. And they don't submit to his lordship. So each believer. It's important for each believer to realize. That you're not your own. You mean I'm not my own. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you believe you're going to be part of the kingdom eternally? Yes. Then you're not your own. You've been purchased by the king of the kingdom. And Jesus taught this in a parable. He taught that the church did nothing of its own to be where it is today. God planned them, hid it in the world, away from everybody, sent Jesus along, who founded the church. And then what he did was, he bought them, they belong to him, and now he owns them, and he has the right of mastery over that which he has purchased. So, this parable right here, the secret of the hidden treasure, is really a parable about the loving, good Lord. Are you catching this tonight? Isn't this powerful? You know, Jesus, every time he taught, he taught that he was good. Being free does not mean doing whatever it is that you want to do. It means submitting to the Lordship of Christ and doing what he wills us to do. Christ freed you from sin, friend. You see, you have to see that someone says, well, I need to get saved. Yeah, you do need to get saved, of course. But what does that mean? It means that you were free from sin. But now we belong to him and we are owned. Now people today, they don't like the idea of somebody owning them. I like that idea. 
in the sense that we said, well, brother, listen, I'm not talking about slavery. He's not a master over us in the sense of slavery. I'm talking about the word in the Greek for slave is the word doulos, and it's not this, it, it is not a forced slave. It is somebody that, by admission of their own free will, says, I will submit to you because you've redeemed me and you're a good master. Everything that I have belongs to you. That's what a bondservant is. A bondservant came and what they did was is they willfully subjected themselves to the person. But it was the person's responsibility that owned them to take care of them, provide for them, provide for their family. Even though everything belonged to the master, the master provided for them. That's how it is with your finances. You know, there's a principle... I believe in tithing. I tithe. I give above the tithe. If you don't give above the tithe, you're robbing God. Or you're not, if you don't give the tithe, you're robbing God. If you don't give offerings, I believe you're robbing God. Because he's the one that blesses you. But I believe there's a principle that's even higher than tithing. And I believe it comes in the area of lordship. When Jesus becomes your Lord, everything that you have belongs to him. Everything. Not just the 10%. Every dollar in your wallet, in your bank account, in your 401k, 501c3, that belongs to God. Isn't that something? We sometimes say the 10% belongs to Him. Does it? How about I say the 100% belongs to Him. And you yield to Him what He asks you to give. You know, some people are so locked into tithing that they won't give above 10% when God asks them to do it because they think that only 10% belongs to God. How about 100% belongs to him? And you give what he tells you to give. That's something for you. And I promise you, he'll always ask you to go 10%. He's not going to call you to be a cheapskate. You know, there's a lot of people that are cheapskates. They don't give God nothing. They don't give him nothing. They don't mind spending $2,000 for a television or a new laptop computer. But they won't give any ministry any more than 20 bucks in the offering plate and they'll still they'll be the ones that ask God to help them and they'll be the ones crying when he doesn't <laughs> isn't that something well God helps me out of his grace he does but he's also recording how you steward over what he gives or what what you have who do you think God is going to put what about the par- the, the, the 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 parable of the talent the, the Lord and master of the house gave to each servant a certain amount of shekels, and the man that squandered it, he got no more. <laughs> you don't think that that's grace? That's grace, but that's also justice at work. That's also the way God does his kingdom. So being free doesn't mean you do what you want. It means that you belong to the Lord. And so the setting of this parable is simply that the multitude has been sent away and given exclusively. This parable was given exclusively to the disciples. And interestingly enough, the disciples didn't ask Jesus for the interpretation. They most likely got it on their own. Only Matthew gives this parable, but enough of the Bible gives us the meaning behind these parables. So we don't have to go around and stress. We can know through interpreting the Word of God through the Bible what he's talking about right here. So let's just begin by saying that this is a parable about lordship. So the question is... Do you are you owned by somebody? You know we have a rebellious society. Society today doesn't. It's just rebellious. 
women don't want to submit to their husbands. Husbands want to abuse their wives. And they don't want to love their wives like Christ loves the church. This is in the hearts of people. Children don't want to obey their parents. Isn't this what Timothy said that we would see in the last days? That men would be lovers of themselves, boastful. That they would be incontinent. That they would uh, be inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. That's what he said. We're living in that day. But you can't allow that spirit of the age to affect you even when we live in a world that doesn't want us to be open about our love for Jesus. You know, we saw just months ago how one of the Duck Dynasty guys who is an open, devout Christian and talks about the Bible and talks about Jesus was persecuted because he made a comment about homosexuality. Now, you may feel the way you feel about the comment. You could say he could have said it nicer, but isn't he allowed to speak? Don't people that are wicked, don't they say even you know crazy things? So a man talks about, what about the other half of the interview where the gentleman said that he loves people and doesn't want to judge? But they asked him what he thought about it. And they allow the other media to say things, the secular people to say things that are even crazier than that. And they don't get mad at him. This wasn't about his comment. This was about, when this happened, it was about the fact that they don't like the fact that he's a Christian. And I believe just from this, what happened months ago, that there's going to be a time in the United States where we won't even be allowed to be open about our belief of the Bible unless we start to pray, unless we start to believe God, unless we intercede and start to cry out to God for this nation. Don't write me emails. I won't respond to them if you're upset about that. I just won't. Now, I want to say that in the word of God, the kingdom of heaven represents God's ways of doing things. It also represents, and, and Jesus manifested and demonstrated them in principles which are found in these parables. And so he likens the very first thing that he says is the kingdom of God is like, a, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Uh, which is what he says it is, hid in a field. So many believers, right from the very start, it's so popular to believe that the treasure in this parable is Christ. But I want to say this, that this is somewhat of a religious belief, and it comes from assuming that there could be nothing better in life other than Christ. Now, there is nothing better in life other than knowing Jesus. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that fits, that idea fits into this parable, because it doesn't. Because if you read it that way, then it would be that Christ had to be hidden in a field, and then found, and then sold, and then hidden, excuse me, that's the next parable, and then hidden again, and bought by somebody. But, is Christ for sale? If this is the case, it, and Christ is a treasure, then the believer must give all that he has to obtain Christ, and where it does require you to give your life for him, if you're the one that's purchasing Christ, can you boast? Wouldn't it make sense to believe instead of before we gave our all for God that God gave his all for us? And we can boast in him that while we were yet sinners, he came looking for us. Did we seek out Christ or did he seek out us? It does cost all of us to follow Christ. But Christ is not for sale and nobody has bought the field, which is we're going to see in a second, is the world. The, the world, the field in these parables represents the world in all of them so to stay consistent we're going to see that the field is the world and who has bought the world nobody so who can claim that they own christ 
Nobody. Could this man that bought the field say they own Christ? And now Christ is their Lord? Or they own Christ? No. Gives all that they have. They don't own him. You can't own Christ because he's not for sale. And some people think that the treasure is Israel because God calls Israel his peculiar treasure in Psalm 135 and verse 4. Yes, Israel was God's treasure and they were his chosen people. But since the new covenant, God doesn't just deal strictly with Israel anymore. He no longer delays or, or deals strictly with them. Uh, Jesus looked over and mourned over Israel and says, Wouldn't I not have gathered you unto myself? And he says, but now Jesus told Israel that the kingdom is going to go now to a nation that would produce fruit. And Jesus came to Israel and there was no fruit. So he says, no, he cursed the fig tree and says, from this time forward, no more fruit shall come back on your tree. So this is not talking about Israel. We're going to see in just a second that this treasure that Jesus finds and then hides back in the field of the world, this is a church. This is God's people. The church is the chosen people of God. Just like Israel. And I believe Israel is God's chosen people. I don't deny that. That's the truth. But what about the church? We're just as Israel is God's natural chosen people. And they have a natural lineage of being chosen people. Who are the spiritual people that have a spiritual history and a spiritual heritage? That's what Paul taught. He said just as Israel is the natural, so the church is the spiritual. And this is what Jesus is referring to. A treasure in scripture, if you study, is a wealth and it's a deposit. Exodus 1.11, there were cities that were treasure cities. There is the treasure of your heart, Matthew 6.21. There's treasures in earthen vessels. 2 Corinthians 4.7, treasures of people. The treasure, though, is not material things. The greatest treasures in Scripture are those matters that pertain to your life and matters that pertain to your heart. So the treasure in this is the church. Because, like I said before, the kingdom was taken from the Jews and given to a nation that brought forth fruit. I'll read the scripture. Let's see. Matthew 21 and verse number 43. It says, Therefore I say unto you that the kingdom shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on the stone shall be broken. But whomsoever shall fall, it will grind them to powder. So, now it's in the hands of a nation that brings forth fruit. And that's the Gentiles. Okay. The church of Jesus Christ is a peculiar people. First, Peter, chapter 2. That's right. Do you belong to the church? Yes. Well, then guess what? You are a peculiar people. I want to read to you First Peter 2, 5 through 10. It says right here, You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, an holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God. Wherefore, as is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And then it says here that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This language that Peter is using is taken directly out of the book of Exodus chapter 19. And I want to read to you Exodus chapter 19. And this is what it says here. In verse number 1, he's talking, and it says here, well, let's see, where is it at? In verse number 1, Exodus chapter 19, you got to forgive me, i got to get my notes a little bit better, a little bit tighter. Okay, verse number 5. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure 
unto me above my people, for all the earth is mine. So just as God is talking to Israel through Moses and telling them they're a treasure, Peter came along and told you, church, the body of Christ, the spiritual believers, you are a treasure. So you see the treasure here in Scripture is not talking about Jesus, although he, Jesus is a treasure, the most valuable of all. It's talking about this particular treasure. It's a church. That's why I don't like when people bash the church and make fun of the church and get all complaining about the church and even Christians dog other Christians and say, oh, Christians, listen, sweet, you stop talking like the world. Stop siding with the world. Understand that you're talking about the institution that was set up by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so it says that this treasure is hidden in the field. Well, the field is the world. For consistency's sake, it's been the world in our last parables that we've studied week after week. And so the earth is the Lord's, the Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Let me say this. I want to clear this up about teaching. The earth belongs to God. A lot of times people think, well, he gave it to the children of man. Well, I'll say that he lent it to the children of man. The children of man have stewardship over it. Just like the man that rent out his vineyard, and in his vineyard, he lent it and let men steward over his vineyard in the parable of Jesus. This is how God gave the earth. So it is the sense that God has lent us this earth and put us on here to steward over it, but it still belongs to him. I lease a, uh, I have a uh, vehicle that I lease, but <clears throat> but doesn't belong to me. I'm in charge of it. I keep it. I take care of it. I put gas in it. I take it to the car wash. I can take it anywhere that I want. But it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to whoever I'm paying. And that's the same sense that the earth belongs to God. But he gave you the earth in the sense that he gave you free will. And that's why prayer is necessary. And that's why prayer is important. Your prayer is stewarding over the affairs of the earth and allowing heaven to have its participation in the affairs of men. That God left into you and your responsibility. And so that's how the earth, sometimes we think, oh, the earth belongs to us. I can do whatever I want. Nah, the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. That's coming out of Psalms, the same book that says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And the same book that says the earth has been given to the children of men, he just lent it to you. You're in charge of stewarding over it, but it belongs to him. He owns it. America doesn't own it. Germany doesn't own it. Asia doesn't own it. No country can claim stake to it. So who does the field belong to? Uh, it belongs to the man Christ Jesus. Well, let's look at it real quick. I'm going to read the parable again. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hidden in the field, which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and sells all that he hath and buys again. So the man that finds that's in the field, now notice he's in the field. He's in it. And while he's in it, he finds something. So when, when was Jesus ever in the world? Yes. He did. He came. He visited his people. That's when we celebrate Christmas, the coming of the Savior. And so there's an interesting flow here that we're going to look at, and that's hidden, found, hidden. This is a interesting and noteworthy concept from Scripture. First, the man, who's Jesus, was in the field, and he found the church or the treasure. Well, let's say before he found it. Let's just say first the treasure was in the field, and it was hidden. It was out of plain sight. But it was in there. Did it exist? Of course it existed. It was there. So the man comes into the field. He's walking around. I remember I asked the Lord, I need to see this visually before I could start teaching it and understand it to teach it. And that is that here's a man. He's walking through the field and he doesn't 
see it yet, but there is a treasure that was put in there, hidden in there by someone or something. And while he's walking through it, it exists there. So the treasure existed in the field first, and it was hidden. This first hidden before the man found it represents God's people. They've always been hid. His plan is never seen right away for most people. To see what God is doing, it takes illumination from the Holy Spirit. Doesn't it say in Scripture, had they have known who he was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory? They wouldn't have crucified Jesus, of course. But God's people have always been hid, just like the gospel plan was hid. Uh, the Bible says that there are many, the prophets, they didn't even see the church. The Apostle Paul talked about the church and how it was a mystery and how it was not seen by the apostles. It wasn't seen by the prophets. Jesus was seen. The gospel plan was seen. But this realm of profession in the church, it wasn't seen. It was hidden from their sight. Amen? And here comes Jesus. And he's the one that finds the New Testament church. Because the New Testament church was hidden. I'll read to you. What it says in the book of Ephesians. Now the book of Ephesians is one that deals with the church. And the mystery of the church. And it says, and to make all, Paul's responsibility was to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Mystery, Which God from the beginning of the world hath been hidden. God who created all things by Jesus. Has, look at this, look at this. Hath been hidden God. Hath been hid by God. Who created all things by Jesus Christ. So from the time of creation. He hid the church in the world. He planned it out. Glory to God. Nobody saw it coming. But it was part of his plan. He could have revealed it, but he didn't. Colossians chapter 1 verse 26. It says here, even the mystery which hath been, look at here it is, here it is, hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Why is it made manifest? Well, somebody found it. The whole ministry of Jesus Luke 19.10 says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. In many of the coming parables that we're going to see and that we're going to discover, we will find out, no question about it, that Jesus goes looking for things. And that makes him the seeker. But not only is he the seeker, he's successful. He's the finder. And we're the ones that he goes looking for. If somebody being a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one goes astray, will he not surely leave the ninety-nine and go looking for that one? That represents the Gentiles. It represents the lost people that God himself went looking for to bring back unto himself. Because God cares about each person individually. So no question the church is made up of people in whom God has found. Each person sitting Listen, each person sitting under the lordship of Jesus, if you're in church and there's people raising their hands, worshiping God, saying, Jesus, you're my Lord, I love you, I worship you, Jesus, at some point in their life, they were found by God. You know, you see people there say, I was a crack cocaine addict. Somebody says, I was a prostitute. Somebody says, I was a homosexual. Somebody comes along and says, I was full of anger and rage. I was in a perverted lifestyle. Somebody comes along and says, I was a thief. Someone says, I was a liar. I was effeminate. At some point, you were miserable. Did he find you? Did he discover you? 
if you're under the lordship of Jesus, well, then he has. He's found you. And that's the ministry of Christ. But then it says here that he hid it again. Though Christ found the church, he hid the church back in the world. Now, this is a difficult concept sometimes. and Let me explain it like this. Though Christ recognizes the church, the world does not. You see, the world, they sees the structure, the organization, the outward form, the IRS, surely recognizes the church, its 501c3 status, but the church does not realize, excuse me, the world does not realize who the church is in the sense that they don't see the spiritual aspect of the church. It's hard to be accepted in the eyes of the world, listen, as the church. When the church doesn't recognize who you are, uh, let me say it better than this. The church can't see who the real church... The, the world cannot see who the church is. I mean, you can recognize, yes, they go to church and he's a preacher and he talks about Jesus, but you don't really see me for what I am. You don't see me for who I'm loved by. You don't see me for who owns me. Because if you did, you'd be part of it. They're not, they don't understand. And so, here's something. If the world doesn't realize who you are, What's it say when they accept you for what they think you might be? If the world accepts me and receives me, not knowing who I am, then they really receive me for what I am? I'll let you think on that for a second. Jesus says, Woe unto you when all men speak evil. Excuse me, woe unto you when all men speak good of you, for such they did the false prophets. It's powerful. Jesus was a great teacher. So we're going to talk about how when we get back, he purchased you. So I want you to stay there. This is all going to come to a head in just a few minutes. So come back. We'll be right back with the broadcast after this song and announcement. Stay tuned.
And God bless you. We're back here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. I pray that you're doing well. I pray that the Spirit of God is moving in your heart. If you just uh, tuned in to us tonight, uh, we're talking tonight about the secret of the hidden treasure that is inside of the Scripture. We're talking tonight about how you have a Lord, and that Lord is Jesus. If you're born again and blood-bought by Him, that Jesus Christ is your Lord, He's your Savior. And that's a good thing, because, you know, there are a lot of people in this world, they're not owned by anybody. They just, oh, I'll do what I want, when I want, however I want. I'll live any way that I want to live. If it makes me feel good, I'm doing it. But that is not you. You were blood-bought. You have a Lord, and He's good. So, I want to talk to you tonight and finish up talking about the man who was in the field, and he discovered a treasure. And after discovering that treasure, he took the treasure and he went back and he hid it in the field. And for the joy thereof, he went and sold all that he had. And he bought the field just so he could purchase the treasure. The joy that it's talking about right here is the joy that Jesus has over his church. I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 12. And verse number 2, the Bible, oh, this is a powerful scripture. I pray that it gets into your heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, you know, I have a uh, series on my podcast called The Cross Part 1 and The Cross Part 2. And I want you to read about what, or listen to what the cross was. How it was a shame. It was... A mystery that a God would die on a cross that nobody had ever died on a cross before. And Jesus went and he did it. And I say nobody died. No God in Greek mythology had ever died on a cross. And here comes Jesus who the Christians claim to be their God died on a cross. It seemed absurd to a Grecian culture and to a Roman culture. Nonetheless, he did it. And he did it with joy. And so God has joy over his people. Jesus has joy over his people. And so God rejoices when he considers us. Did you know he loves you dearly? And God wants to share that joy with you, friend, because he loves you and he cares about you. So when God found this treasure, the church, I'm not just say, you say, you know, I say the church and a lot of times you think of your congregation. So let me say it like this, a spiritual people that would bring fruit unto him. He got excited and he thought it's worth for me to sell all that I have. So even before the cross, there was a self-emptying that took place because he sold all that he had. What does it mean by sold all that he had? The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who would be in the form of God. Whatever form that may have been, thought it not robbery to be equal with God and took upon him another form. The form of a servant was made in the likeness of man. Glory to God. And now he's in the likeness of man. And then not only would he, did he leave heaven, not only did he come down to the earth and leave the splendor and opulence of eternity, he was put on a cross. The Son of God went from the highest of all divinities, suffered the lowest of human deaths, and this he did with great joy. Why did he do it? Because when he was in the earth, he discovered a treasure. He discovered something that was worth him taking up the form of a man and saying in the garden of Gethsemane when blood in the Mount of Olives when blood was stripping down his forehead he said it's worth me 
to give all that I have for this, I will do as you will, Father. And he gave his life. When you consider what Jesus did for you, this is the one that owns you. It's the one that belongs to you. When you say, who owns you? I say, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He owns me. I belong to him. So when your enemy comes along and slaps you across the face, Jesus says, turn to him and give him the other cheek. So you know that he knows that you follow me. When I say, I want to get him back, my Lord says, pray for your enemies. When I say, I want to get upset, he says, love those that persecute you. When God says, when something happens to me that a brother offends me, God says, love them and confront them. Talk to them. Don't worry. I'm your Lord. So why is it I don't have to worry? Because he makes rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. And not only that, he gives me a special favor and a special grace. And so I'm honored that he's my Lord and he loves me. He gave everything that he, he gave everything for me. And so when we consider what Jesus did for us, it's important to remember that the church is his treasure and it cost him his all. And it cost him his lifeblood. So it's obvious that whoever, it says that he bought the field. So what's the field that he's talking about? Well, it's obvious that whoever owned the field, the treasure was in the field. He didn't just buy the jewel, he bought the field. So the word bought means redeemed. It means to go out into the market and to specifically redeem. So going back to what I was talking about, we don't buy the field. The believer doesn't buy the field. Who, who bought the field? Jesus bought it. Who redeems who? Jesus redeems us. The man redeems us. The man is Jesus. He redeems the church. And so, you know, Jesus redeemed the world. You have to respond to that. That doesn't mean because he died the whole world saved you. That's grace, of course. The whole world has the potential of being saved. But you have to respond to it with your faith. And so the church is redeemed out of every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. And bought with a price. Christ Jesus, he obtained eternal redemption for us as his people. So when he bought the field and redeemed the world from their sins. You can enter into that by faith. He received it a jewel. A treasure in that, and that is you, and that's me. That's anybody that will respond to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All because of his passion and his death on the cross. Uh, let me say this. In Jeremiah chapter 32, there's a story about Jeremiah. Now, we always talk about a kinsman redeemer, and simply that means somebody that is used legally in Israel, in old times, in biblical times of antiquity, to restore back to their family their rightful land and their rightful rights as family members. And so in, the, in Jeremiah chapter 32, Judah was going into captivity and the children of Israel, they were going to lose their land. And the inheritances that God gave them, they were all allotted portions of land. And Jeremiah's cousin in scripture was going to lose his land. And so what Jeremiah's cousin did was he sold Jeremiah his land for 17 shekels of silver. And when this happened, when this transaction was made, Jeremiah 
recorded that transaction in a sealed book and op- in two places, in a sealed book and also in an open book. And so the purchase price was written in another book called the Book of Purchases, which is also known as the Book of Redemption. So Israel goes into captivity in Babylon, and they're there 70 years, and then the people leave Babylon, they're set free, uh, and they start coming back, and they're looking for their land. Now how do they determine who gets what land? Well, the, they, when they came back, they had to open up the books. And the books of redemption showed whose land belonged to who. And when Jeremiah's cousin opened up the book, he discovered that Jeremiah paid the price for Judah's land. Because it was written in the book of redemption. Now listen. In this story, the sealed book contained the evidence. And would be opened in due time and the land would be restored. In the same way, Christ Jesus has Bought the earth with the blood of redemption. And he's qualified to break the seals of the book wherein is recorded. Who has been redeemed. And who has laid claim to the inheritance that Christ has purchased for us. Because he is the redeemer. So let me read to you this parable this way. The kingdom of heaven resembles the church hidden in the mind of God from the sight of the world which when Christ Jesus found it (coughs) he hides back into the world and for his own joy he empties himself endures the death of the cross and redeems the earth and the church let me say it again the kingdom of heaven resembles the church hidden in the mind of God from the sight of the world which when Christ Jesus found it he hides it back into the world and for his own joy He empties himself, endures the death of the cross, and redeems the earth and the church. I belong to a master. I belong to the Lord. I belong to one that purchased this earth with his blood. It belongs to him. He redeemed it out of the hand. Who did he redeem it from? He redeemed it out of the hand of Satan. That's what I mean by redeem. Sometimes we say redemption is, you know, it means exactly the same thing. When I say he redeemed the earth, I mean he bought it back, took it back. Adam gave it to the devil. Jesus came along, took it back from the hand of Satan. Now he says, who will believe? Who will lay claim to what I have purchased? Just like Jeremiah, he took that land, bought it back and opened up the books and said, who will lay claim to what I have purchased? Hallelujah. Are you going to lay claim tonight, friend? Or do you want to continue to belong to yourself? I belong to a Lord and a master that loves me. A master that cares about me. A master that is good when he redeemed me and I responded to it. I know he's not going to do anything bad to me because he loves me. He endured the death of the cross despising its shame. And if that wasn't enough, he did it by coming down from heaven and robing himself in flesh. You know what? Let me tell you this. I was taking my clothes recently that I don't wear anymore and dropping them off in a clothing bin so the less fortunate can pick them up. And I thought, how many times in my life have I done this? 
I was a kid. My dad used to say, bag up all the clothes you don't wear and put them in a bag. And we're going to take them to the Purple Heart. And that's just what I did with the clothes. I gave them away. I don't throw clothes out unless it's dirty T-shirts and stuff. And uh, I was taking them and I dropped them off. And I says, wow, I'm shedding this layer of clothes. And then I looked and I thought about all the clothes in my closet right now. And I said, you know, one day all those clothes in my closet I'm going to throw in this bin too. And I had just bought something at the mall. A sweater I was looking forward to wearing. And I said, you know, in years from now I'm going to take, I can get about six, seven, eight years out of a sweater. And I said, I'm going to take this sweater and set it off too. You know what the Spirit of God told me? He looked at me and says, and one day you will shed your body as well glory to god hallelujah that one day i'm going to shed this body you say why are you saying that because jesus wrapped himself in flesh so he could redeem this church so that he could put off that flesh so that he could take upon him a glorified body so that you too when you shed this body you can receive a glorified body as well that excites me so in the kingdom of heaven, the church is a treasure. It was planned by God, overlooked by the world, but Christ found it and gave all that he had for it. This is how valuable his people are to him. People in the church are purchased people. We're not without owner. We're not without master. When we people don't want Jesus as our Lord, we're saying we're not a purchased people, but he's redeemed us, he's made us, and he rejoices over us. So you know what? That ought to make you proud to say, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you tonight. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord or Savior, let me pray. I want you to pray these prayers from your heart. Mean it from within. Heavenly Father, say this with me. I come before you. I want to be used by you. I want you to be my Lord. Save me. Be my Lord. Come into my heart. I believe Jesus died that he rose again that he suffered so that I could be free come into my heart be my Lord be my Savior in Jesus name I pray I believe Jesus died for me rose again Satan I renounce you leave me now in Jesus name Amen friend if you did that I want you to write us info at chrispalmerministries.com you can go on our website www.chrispalmerministries.com and you can partner with us financially, or you can become a part of our email list, or you can get our podcast free, complimentary, or you can buy our book, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, on Amazon.com or from our website. We'll be back here next week with more Transforming Truth broadcast. We're going to continue to hit it, and we will talk to you then. God bless you, friend. And we'll talk to you next Saturday night, 1215, or Sunday morning. You know how it works, 1215, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Anyway, talk to you then. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com, or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash chrispalmerministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. For Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ 103.5 FM, The Light.